0: Indeed, we are to be walking in sunlight. Our desire is to strive to be like the Master. The difficulty at times is for us trying to grasp a fair concept of what it's like to be like the Master, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, to have the characteristics that he had. We know it's difficult from the human perspective to even try to picture what he might have looked like as he walked on this earth, but that's not the imitation we're to be making. But it's one that crosses our mind, and it's interesting, or has been interesting down through time as you look at history, art, uh, paintings, and so forth, and see the imagery that they've made of Jesus down through the years, and then... To see that begin to change over the last, I don't know, I won't say five, ten years, probably been 15, 20 years. Uh, time has a way of getting away where they've shortened his hair, shortened his beard, and made him look different than he's always looked before. And we know that each one of us is an individual, and no two of us really look alike, even at times when it's sometimes hard to tell in a congregation where a family had adopted a boy because they were unable to have children. And it wasn't long after they adopted the boy that they got pregnant and had twins. And they had twin girls. And they looked identical. It took the longest time for me to try to figure out which one was which. I had to find some characteristic that stood out on the one that wasn't on the other when I found it, then I was okay. And they were always amazed that I could tell the two apart. But they weren't identical. They just looked identical. They're different. We're all different. And we have an inheritance. So there's a spiritual application that's trying to be made of what it is that we ought to be and how it is that we ought to be living our lives. Back in chapter 4 of Ephesians... And in verse 1, Paul was beseeching them as a prisoner of the Lord that you would walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Walking worthy. And again, trying to define that in a way that would be pleasing or acceptable to God and one that would be applicable to us is oftentimes difficult to do. As children, we have that desire to imitate, and we need to have that understanding as well that our imitation, as we look at it, as we perceive it in each other, is usually less than perfect. However, when a parent Views the imitation of a child of them or draws one of their pictures of the parent, it's perfect because it comes, comes out of love. The child does it out of love, so that makes it different than if you look at it years down the road and say, well, why did you do this and why it that way? No, it's always perfect because they're trying to demonstrate and to show love You go back to the first chapter of Ephesians and you look in verse 4 that He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame blame before Him and love. Being holy and being without blame is before God because it's in love. Because we're trying to be the imitators of God, to be those that he would have us to be. Verse five, he's predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. That concept of what he does here for us and what he does here with us, that again, he determined that we would be sons of God, and it pleased him to do such. At times we need to remind ourselves, as we strive to live here, as we strive to live among each other, as we're trying to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we fall at times along the way to be reminded to encourage one another to make the change that is necessary, the repentance and the confession and coming back and the doing of his will. But the trust in him, that we are indeed his children, we're fellow citizens with the saints. It goes on in the chapter 2 and in verse 19 to remind us of that. Also reminds us in chapter 2 and verse 19 of Ephesians that we're members of the household of God. That really puts things in a different perspective. Again, this family of which we are a part, this house of God to which we belong, is His, and we're His children. And as children, it is our desire to strive to please the Father and to please the Redeemer and to make those changes in our lives that we need to be. Drop down to verse 21 of Ephesians 2 and to remind ourselves that we are a holy temple in the Lord. We're sanctified, set apart. We belong to God. And as a result of that, that changes what we do in the world. And at times, as children do, we wrestle with living in the world. We wrestle with being different from those that are in the world. The world sometimes has tried to remove that indifference or that separation that is between us as children. And they've taken it to another extreme, if you will. We accept everyone, we don't make any distinctions. We don't care what they do and how they live and how they conduct themselves. There will be no distinctions made and we live in a world that's really changing this concept. But we are different from the world. We're in the world but not of the world. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The sins have been washed away. So we are different. We have a different master, one that we listen to. And that master says, you live a different life. You're sanctified. You're set apart. You are to be distinct by the language that you use. And you talk about that in Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5 as well. The language that we use, the conduct that we have, the attitudes that we express are totally different than what we have in the world. And we need to understand that the pleasing is to be done in the world. Again, we know by living life in, the, in this world that it is also, that it is impossible, if you will, to please all of the people all of the time. It's impossible to please some of the people all of the time. Sometimes it's impossible to leave some of the people some of the time. It's a different world. Again, because there's a distinction in it. And at times we are told to forget the things that lie behind and press on to the things that lie ahead. And at times we're told to remember. Remember where you've come from. Remember what type of life that you used to live and how it's been changed because of the blood of Christ. We're fellow heirs of that same body. And we're partakers of the the promises that are in Christ in chapter 3 and in verse 6. Fellow heirs of the same body. Again, we know it's impossible physically. And we need to be reminded that it ought not to be spiritually. that the body's not separated. The body's one. And every member is a part of that one body. And every member belongs to that one body. And each member has a different function, a different job, a different uh, work to be done. And it all goes for the working of the, the body. So no, no one member is glorified over that of another. And the work that one does is not seen exclusively as an individual, but as it contributes to the overall working of the body. When each member of the body does the job of the physical body that it's designed to do, there is no glory, there is no honor to any individual member of that body. It's what the body does then that has the glory and the honor. It's what it's capable of doing. And the glory goes to the head. And in the spiritual body, that head indeed is Christ. We're to walk worthy of such a calling. Walking in unity, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. Walking in truth and in holiness, Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. This different lifestyle, walking worthy. Quite a concept. One is as an individual, as a child. Sometimes it's hard to believe that we are walking worthy of the expectations that the parent has. And sometimes spiritually it's hard to believe that we're walking worthy of the expectations that the Heavenly Father has of us. And there is that reminder to us that God sees us Through the blood of Jesus Christ, who is perfect. God sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ that has washed away our sins. And God sees us as children in light of what Christ has done. So the changes there are the difference of life, this walking worthy. And it's hard at times. Been, I've known of Christians who have come to the services and sometimes for six months have not partaken of the Lord's Supper even though they're there every time the doors are open. And when asked about that, they've said, well, I'm, I'm not worthy of taking of the Lord's Supper at this time, so I will not take of the Lord's Supper. And then Six months will go by, and then one Sunday morning, then they will partake of the Lord's Supper, because they've been worthy that week to partake of the, of the Supper. That's the wrong attitude. We cannot live in such a way that we would be pure and just and honorable and, and no evil thoughts at all during the time that we live on this earth. It's what we have the blood of Jesus for to be able to repent and to confess and to have those sins washed away. It's partaking in that worthy manner that's being described there, not our being worthy of partaking. For whatever we do, all all of our righteousness are like filthy rags before the Lord. What makes us holy, what makes us acceptable to the Lord, is, again, what Christ has done for us. And that's our surrendering to him, walking together in unity and to understand there are differences there. And again, it's always amazing how God has given us the physical body to use as an illustration. And for us to recognize that the physical body may not ever be exactly like we would want it to be. How many of you got these? How many of you got these? How many of you have got artificial limbs and members in your body? It's not what it was designed, but it's still a body that God has created. And we live in a world where we see imperfection in the human body, and yet we see individuals that are able to accomplish great things despite that. And we need to understand a little bit spiritually as well. We're his body. We may not be as perfect as some believe we ought to be or complete, but we're his body. And it's a body that Christ has loved and has given himself for to purchase it with his own blood. Then we're to work together and to find where that harmony is and where it works find out where the limitations are and to find out how we contribute and assist and help other members in that spiritual body as we come along. We're to walk in love in chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. The agape love, that supreme love described in 1 Corinthians 13. Particularly verses 4 through 8. And that's always a good chapter for us to remind ourselves of and to spend some time with. We mentioned this morning a little bit in the auditorium class about being careful about giving grudgingly out of necessity. And First Corinthians 13 brings that out a little bit as well. Reminds us in the first three verses. You can do whatever can be done, and if you read those first three verses and see some things that are being described as being done by disciples, by believers, by children of God, but if it's not done in love, there is no profit to it. There is no value to it. It It's worthless as a clanging symbol. And then you read that definition of love. And as you read those characteristics of love described there in verses 4 through 8, it's a clear reminder. It's a type of love that as human beings we really are lacking in. But it's a type of love That as children of God, we have every right to excel in. That they can be increasing all the time along the way. It shows the importance of love as he closes out that chapter. Prophecies are going to be done away. Speaking in tongues are going to be done away. The healing is going to be done away. There's faith and there's hope. But the greatest out of all of them is love. Faith one day will be sight, will be seen. Hope one day will be realized and hope will no longer need to be. But the love will always be there into eternity with God. So we're to walk in love. It takes effort. And it's not always easy. But it's always the right thing to do. We walk in love because it is the right thing to do. We walk in love and do the things that are pleasing in the sight of God because it's the right thing to do. But that does not necessarily mean that what we do, what we say, and how we act will always be perceived in the right way. But ours is as far as possible, as much as depends on us to be at peace with all men. That's our job, to do the things as God would have us to do. Our example again is Jesus. He came to this earth. He walked on this earth. He did what was right. He spoke the words that were right. He expressed himself in a way that he was clearly understood as to what he was saying, what he was teaching, and yet he was rejected by the majority of the people. And that may be with us, but we're to walk in love, and then we're to walk as light, to, re- to recognize that we are the light to the world, and there to see our light, and to see the characteristics. And people do observe and people do watch that. They do with people as they see them moving about of how they respond, what they do, what they say, the attitudes that they express. We're the light to the world. I would tell the Philippians that we're the light that shines in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. You're the light. You show what people can do. Now, you show people what Christ can do with you. It's not I who lives. Paul says it's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. I no longer live. It's Christ living in me. Well, that's what I want people to see. And sometimes the human nature creeps in. And that light is not always as bright as it ought to be. But the hope is always there. They'll always come back and to do the will of God. Then we're to walk as wise. Verses 15 through 24 of Ephesians 5. Walk as wise men. Redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Redeeming the time, for the time is short. No guarantee in the life that we live. We've been made, we're always well acquainted with that in the life that we live. We've been made acquainted with it in the loss of several ones just recently, unexpectedly. No rhyme or reason to the death. Just to remind us, life is short. James says it's a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. It's just as we live in the vapor, we, we have a tendency to believe, in the vapor is long. And we have the tendency to believe we want the vapor to be as long as possible. But still a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. It's always interesting to look at history books or for those whose families took photographs down through the generations to look at those pictures of a hundred or two hundred years ago and to see where are they now? Where are they now? There's a religious body that has a paper out and they used to put at the bottom of the paper that this generation of 1918 that is seen that was alive in 1918, and all the things that took place then, that, that generation would not pass away until the Lord had come again. Well, the recent brochures have removed that statement. They just took it out, because time has passed, and the statement is no longer valid. Millions Now Living had a book out. Millions Now Living will never die because the Lord will come before the end of that generation of 1918. Time is short. The vapor appears for a little while and then it's gone. Time is short of all the things we had wanted to do, of all the things we had planned to do, of all the things that we wish we could have done. And before you know it, it's gone. Walk as wise. We walk through this world one time. We have one opportunity as we go through this world to live for Jesus and his disciple ever be. So we're to walk in love and follow the example of Christ as our example. Again, read through the Gospels. Not so much, and you need to do that too, not so much for the content that's in there. But read through the Gospels looking at how Jesus lived. The things that he did in the time frame in which he did them, of how he interacted and how he talked with And how he encouraged. And he's the example that we have. But then we also, as we read that example, we're also reminded of how misunderstood he was. He was the master teacher and they misunderstood him. He was the perfect example of living a godlike life on this earth, and he was misunderstood. He did good. And he was accused of being a worker of Satan. But he still did good. He finished out his life saying, I've done the will of my Father. It is finished. And he closed out his life. He left us an example. Again, Christianity is not a part of life. Christianity is life. It is our essence, it is our being. It's what's in our mind, it's what's in our heart, it's what's in our thoughts, it's what's in our deeds. It's in our attitudes. It's in everything that we do. He is there. Guiding and directing us. And he's there picking us up when we have fallen, And he's there to encourage us. And we need those scriptures. All of them, but we need those scriptures that stand out to us. That remind us of his love for us and His care and His watch for us so that indeed we can do the things that are, pure, that are, are right in God's eyes. With a love with the love that is pure. As you read Ephesians 5 there down through verse 13, notice the things that ought not to be there in the life of a Christian. Ought to have a, a pure heart. And when those things begin to creep up, or to creep in. Take note of. Is this the way Jesus would act? Is this the is is this the way that Jesus would respond? And make those changes. One day we stand before the Master. One day We give an answer for the life that we lived. And in that day, there is no opportunity for change. You read Matthew 25, you read about the sheep and the goats. And you listen to the responses that the sheep gave and the responses that the goats gave. They are almost identical. Almost. And that's the key. There's a difference. That judgment says, it's what you're doing now that's going to make a difference. And what are you doing now? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Have you been to him? Have you allowed him to wash your sins away through the precious blood of the Lamb? Have you been to Jesus allow him to wash away those sins in baptism so that you may be raised to walk this new life? It's up to us as an individual. It's up to us as a collective body to encourage one another. Keep seeking Jesus and his will. Keep walking in the light as he is in the light. Keep being a follower of the loving master. If your life is not where it needs to be, if there's a change that needs to be made in your life, if we could assist you, if we could help you, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.